Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Dan Good. We're going to talk about his interesting journey, and uh, I'll, I'll, let's let him unfold that. But first, thanks, sponsors, Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So, Dan, welcome to the show. We want to hear a little bit about your thanks for having me. and uh, your, yeah. your credentials, but start us out as a kid. What was your earliest... Uh, memory of collecting and take us up from from kid to adult and welcome to the show. I started collecting in the early 90s. I remember it was 93. It was Upper Deck Series 1 and a neighbor of ours had us take a test of some kind for some something she was doing. We had to take a test for it and she gave us a pack of Series 1. It was like a jumbo pack and I opened it up and I pulled the then and now hologram card of Nolan Ryan and I was just floored by it. I thought, this is beautiful. This is exciting. This Nolan Ryan guy is fantastic. And so I became a Rangers fan because of that and became a big collector because of that, which has been, you know, ups and downs through the years, especially the Rangers part. But, you know, just always stuck with collecting, was just collecting more and more by the late 90s. I was really into it. One of my greatest and curious moments of collecting was when in 99, my mom took my brother and I to Kmart and we both got a retail box of Stadium Club. And pulled a Juan Gonzalez autograph, which was, I think the odds were one in a thousand packs per each autograph. And he pulled my favorite player, giving it to me, which was really nice. But, you know, around that time, decided I wanted to be a journalist. I was inspired by Rick Riley's column in the back of Sports Illustrated and decided to get into sports reporting, sports writing, journalism, bounce back and forth between print and video, local TV, interned at the George Michael Sports Machine, which was fascinating. And after I graduated from college, I spent a year and a half working in local uh, TV stations and decided to move to New Jersey and work at the Press of Atlantic City, where Susan was working as a sports reporter. So that's where we met. And uh, we actually connected, I guess it was 2010, started a conversation there and it just kind of picked up. And, you know, from there, I've been bouncing around New York media, New York Post, ABC News, New York Daily News. I've recently been doing some editing work for NBC. But through it all, have you been a collector? I mean, through yeah. it all, have you been collecting? And what, what's the nature of your collecting when you're having these jobs that have, give you some access to, you know, a little closer look at, at, at this kind of people? That's my biggest focus. I've been a set collector at different times. Have uh, I've been a big fan of Bobby Chances of the Philadelphia Athletics, so I've been collecting him. Really just kind of whatever interests me at the moment. It has been interesting collecting people who you interview or, or having cards of people who you end up interviewing and saying, oh, I had a card of you when I was a kid or, you know, and then becoming collectors of players or guys that you that you that you speak to and interact with. It's, it's fascinating seeing it on that level and having that dual connection with somebody of saying, like Gabe Kapler is an example. I met him when I was a kid. I was a teenager. I, uh, I got his autograph for the baseball game. I pulled his autograph from a pack of 99 Upper Deck, and I got his autograph through the mail, and then I interviewed him a couple of years ago. So it's interesting kind of seeing those connections play out and having different connections with players and athletes from a collector or also as a, an interview subject or as a journalist. As a journalist, do you get a chance to explain the collector mindset to some of these players when you're interacting with them? Because not every player understands the, the fandom of, of, of collectors. No, they don't. And it's, it's, it's disheartening sometimes because some of the players don't want to care or aren't interested in the cards. I think as a collector, you think, 
all these guys have to be passionate about this and they have to really care when they're signing an autograph. This means something because as a collector, you open up a pack and say, Oh my gosh, this autograph's amazing. I have a connection to the player. And sometimes the players don't care about signing autographs, but they just do it for the money, which is fine. I'm not blaming anybody for that, but it is interesting looking at it from that perspective. And, and, you know, you do end up, uh, having to explain things and having you know why this, this autograph is really special or unique. Uh, I did a, a signing when Susan was working at Tops. Uh, they did a signing with Reggie, with Reggie and Reggie Jackson. And I had to go up to his hotel room and I'm meeting with him by myself. And here's a box of cards and you have to lay them down. And here's these silver ones. You have to use a pen for this kind. And you have to use a, a black pen for these kind and a gold pen for these kind. And these are one of one really special. So it's, it's, it is interesting kind of explaining it sometimes to people and, and, getting them to understand why this card matters, why this card's special. Yeah, I, I, I just don't, it depends on if they really want to, want to get it. I don't know. I mean, they've got their hands full. It isn't their main thing. Uh, although some of the players, retired players especially, can make a pretty good uh, income from their signings. But, yeah. uh, you know, Sue said you, you did, uh, that you have your own book writing career, kind of a, a, a kind of a bifurcated, that you've got your own baseball book as well as that you're uh, ghostwriting or, or yeah. you're ghostwriting. So tell us, explain the difference in that and then explain what you're, you might be more excited about doing your own book, uh, <laughs> I would imagine, but then ghostwriting as it could be a, a very fun thing too. So explain what that is and, and tell us your experience there, please. Definitely. So in 2013 or so, 2012, 2013, I thought it would be interesting to write a book about Ken Caminiti, the baseball player. And I started interviewing people and I got a book deal earlier this year. Uh, the book is scheduled to come out through Abrams Press in 2022. So it's the next two years or so that we're looking at that timeline. It's been really interesting to work on that. And as I was working on that and as I was working in New York media and we had a son and we decided, you know, I, I decided I was burned out from work, spending too much time away from home and figured it would be great to work from home and make an income. And one of the areas that I saw opportunity for that was from book ghostwriting. So I applied for a job as a book ghostwriter, as a contract freelance book ghostwriter for a company and was hired in July of 2018. And at the time I was at the New York Daily News and there were mass layoffs happening and I just assumed I was going to get laid off. And I figured, great, I'll get, you know, three months pay. I'll start this new career. And instead of getting laid off, I got promoted to run the department, which was <laughs> very curious timing. So I stuck with that. But by last year, I decided, you know what, I still want to do this book ghostwriting thing. So I ended up picking up some projects and what it entails is, you know, I'll talk to the subject, the, the author of the book. I'll find out what their focus is. I'll help them craft the story. A lot of times I will record their conversations and take those conversations and help that to guide the narrative of the story. It, it really depends on each project. Sometimes they're 100% somebody else's words. Sometimes I'm contributing research and uh, different other input. It really depends on the topic, but it's really fascinating to kind of being able to write in somebody else's words and also to be able to write in your own. And I think actually they both kind of help me shape my own style as a writer because it helps you evolve and it helps you kind of break free from your own writing in your own head and, you know, write as somebody else. It's a different style that each project will have. You know, what I wanted to add was, so are you saying that you're doing the ghostwriting or you're editing? You're more of a, is that equal parts writing and editing? It's a little bit of both. And the role that each the role that you'll have for each project might be different. There are some where, you know, I'm really contributing a lot of the words myself. And then there's other times when I'm, I'm really just kind of guiding somebody else's words and putting them on a page and cleaning them up and, and making them really 
sound the right way and, and organize them the right way. It really depends. I mean, sometimes you're more of an editor. Sometimes you're more of a writer contributing original content. You know, it's, it's case by case. Well, the case by case is what I was kind of interested in because this is Sports Card Insights. I mean, wouldn't it be cool if you got if you were ghostwriting for a player that you really loved, you know, Ranger or somebody, Juan Gonzalez, uh, who also, along with Ken Caminiti, has, has had a complicated life and, and probably <laughs> yeah. is underappreciated as a, as a player, Juan Gonzalez, yes. and yes. maybe Ken Caminiti as well. But or somebody that had a little bit of a collecting spark or something to where you could inject more of yourself. I've always thought if I had a ghostwriter for helping me tell my story, I'd want to get somebody that understood the different dimensions of that could make my story come alive. And so I'm just wondering, I think the best ghostwriters get known for, you know, making that story come alive for, for the player or for the celebrity or the person. And so what is your, I mean, it's not, it can't be, I mean, if it's just the facts, then that's, that's boring. There's gotta be a narrative that's shaped. And like I said, Ken, your, you know, your Ken Caminiti book is, he was a complicated guy. Yeah. So you, was that more intriguing to you than, than some kind of a cookie cutter player that is just, you know, that it was just a Joe average. I was drawn into a story by the fact that it was complicated, you know, by the fact that no one else had told it, you know, and it had been told little in little glimpses and there's been some great reporting about his life, but as a general, bigger, broader picture, it's never really been fully clear about what happened and the details surrounding his life and everything else, the good and the bad. So I was drawn in by that, but it's a really good point that you made. I mean, as a ghostwriter, I've picked up projects that I have nothing in common with, and it is a disservice because then I have to research and figure out the basics of something so I I seem knowledgeable about a topic. There are other topics where you jump in and immediately know what's going on. Collecting is a good example. You know, I think, you know, if you were writing a book about the hobby, it would be really difficult to sound authentic if you don't understand it. And it's not something you can pick up just by listening to somebody talk about it because what's the difference between Genmint and Nearmint? You know, what is the difference between... You know, the, why, why is the 1962 green tint cards, you know, what, why are they tinted that way? I mean, there's so many of the hobby that so many people don't understand. You know, I think a lot of sports, book in, sports books in general is a really good point that, you know, you need to find the right ghostwriter for the project to make it really pop and stand out. Because without that, you know, the ghostwriter is going to spend half their time researching. I, I signed up for a project about the stock market and about trading. And I know a little bit about it, but there was probably a million other ghostwriters out there who know more than I do about that topic. So I probably wasn't ideal for that topic. I did a nice job on it, but you know, you look at your specialties and you look at your focuses and I think it definitely helps to have a ghostwriter expertise and experience over just a general person interested in telling a story. You know, Dan, we're, we're kind of out of time because I promised my listeners a 15 minute deal, but I, I just want to say, Hats off to you. I think you're, you're a craftsman, you're art, an artisan with words, as, as is your wife. But basically, when I was hiring people for our magazines back in, back in the day, when we hired people for editorial positions, my thesis is that every writer is either more of a writer or more of an editor. And if we had an editing job and we hired a writer for it, they would wind up rewriting a lot of the articles mm-hmm. that was submitted. Whereas if we were, if, if somebody was truly an editor, they would get back with the writer and say, hey, you need to spend a little more time on this. And so it sounds like you can do both, which is, which is a, a mark of people that are, that are uh, good at what they do. So thanks for being on and uh, thanks for being a collector and, and bringing your expertise. I do hope you get a ghostwriting assignment that's, that's up your alley. I'm looking forward to the Ken uh, Caminiti book. And, and frankly, a book on Juan Gonzalez would be great. To, he's, Ken Ca- Caminiti is never going to be in the Hall of Fame. 
Juan Gonzalez with a with a concerted push. If there was a a reversal in the way people thought about certain things, that guy mm-hmm. was a stud. He was a stud on the field, and um, he was fantastic. He was fantastic, and he had a at least a ten year period where he was one of the, one of the greats. So, yeah. And go Rangers. I mean, they're my hometown team, but they, they, they may be retooling here for a while. In fact, all of baseball may be observing and trying to figure things out. So anyway, thanks, Dan. Keep up the good work. I told Suze I'm really enjoying Card Chat. And so appreciate your contributions to that. It's a good way to for me to stay up on that and, and appreciate the polish that you put into it. It's It has a, a professional sheen to it, which I find uh, attractive and good for our industry because we're yeah. Trying to, as the prices go up on cards, the professionalism ought to go up too. So thanks for bringing that. Thanks, Dan. Good. Thanks, uh, listeners. Be back again tomorrow with another episode.